We have a lot of Carolinians that head out west for some hunting each fall, whether it be Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Utah. That season for elk has begun. We like to do this, check in with our buddy David Gaskins to see how the preparation for the season out west went and then what his success rate uh, during the first part of the season was. Hi, everyone. Bill Barty of the Carolina Outdoors. And, of course, David uh, nicknamed, we'll find out more about this, First Day Dave from 7J Outfitters out in Sundance, Wyoming. We're going to find out what was happening out there for him. But first of all, help me welcome him, David Gaskins, to the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Man, it's great to get you on here. We love your insight on hunting in general, but especially as we look out west because, of course, the higher altitude and the cooler weather hits out there. Uh, before it hits here in the Carolinas, we're just now getting the start of the, of the local season. But, David, tell us about the preparation before you headed out for Sundance and before you do this each year to kick off the season. Um, how do you prepare before you uh, head out for an elk trip? Well, the first thing I do is try to get just a little bit in shape. Oh, yeah. The, the altitude, it'll kill you out there. Everywhere it seems like you go out there is a mile or better above sea level. And you better have a little bit of wind built up before you head that way. So are you hunting at 8,000 feet, 6,000 feet? Most of those places we go to on the eastern part of the state are about 52, 5,300. Now, they get up to 8,000 over on the western part, over in the Dunor and Ditch Creek and all those places where they go. Another question I have, and then we're going to get into it and find out if you're doing this with side-by-sides, horseback, um, and the clients that you are helping lead into these elk. But um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the clothing that you're wearing, especially in regards to scent, um, and then how, how you kind of layer up to, to do something when you're kind of working hard at some points and then sitting still at other points. Um, first off, talk to us about the scents and uh, the sensitivity of the elk's uh, smell and how you kind of get around that with uh, your clothes. Well, I mean, you know, the scent, the scent-proof clothing, the scent-resistant clothing is always a good thing. But when you're hunting elk, you just you got to have your wind right. If the wind's not uh-huh. right, you will never get one killed. Hardly if the wind's not right. Um, not a lot of walking. A uh, lot of lot, you know, a lot of not a lot of layers, but layers that you can peel off as it gets warm during the day. Um, when you said uh, when you were saying about getting in shape and uh, it, it, it sounds like there's two points of the wind having your breath being in shape to yeah. get enough oxygen but also having your wind right as you're setting up too and I guess a, a, a good bit of scouting goes in uh, before yeah. you head out there with the clients and, and uh, I'm going to yep. get into that but uh, tell us about the weather uh, how was well, it out there early season it was it was warm early. It was warm all the way up to the, about the end of the third week of September, and then it it was cooling off a little bit. And I think they're running into some cooler, wetter weather now. Uh, but it was it was fairly warm this year for the time. You know, usually I've been out there the end of August and there'd be a frost, and they hadn't had a frost yet at the end of the third week. So it's uh, it's a little not unseasonably warm. It's warmer than normal. But they've had they had so much rainfall this spring and summer uh, 
Um, I believe they had almost two foot more rainfall than they usually get. Wow. Now that is a good that is a good bit more. How does that affect the hunting and how does that affect the movement of the elk? Uh, it, did, it seemed to do okay because it just seemed to uh, they didn't have to go as far for food this year because everything uh-huh. wasn't as dry. So they were you know they were concentrated around going to the alfalfa fields and such. But those elk they go they might go four miles, you know, back and forth to, from food to cover. Wow. All right. If you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, Bill Barty here, David Gaskins on the other side, just returned from an elk trip. Uh, and as a guide, of course, the the nickname First Day Dave, David, we're going to ask you where that nickname came about. That's also your Instagram handles, too, if people want to look up, follow uh, that, as well as at 7J Outfitters, because there's a bunch of uh, uh, big pictures of big elk coming through. David, yeah. talk us through it. You start off with bow. It's bow season, and then it has now gone into rifle, if I'm correct. Is that right there, at least yeah, in rifle, Wyoming? Rifles first of October. There is some elk rifle, some early stuff, but they don't they do not do much. They do a lot, almost all archery in September, uh, and then you come up on your elk rifle in October and part of November, and then they have a late season in December. Um. But it, uh, we don't hunt. We hunt whitetails in September. We don't hunt whitetails in October. We rifle hunt mule deer, and then we go back to both in an area where you can kill both in November with a, with a tag. You can kill either a whitetail or a mule deer. Now, does Seven J Outfitters help with uh, with garnering the tags? Um, yeah, yeah, he is super good um, with the tag situation. He's probably the He's probably one of the top three for his knowledge of knowing how to get you drawn, you know, what to put you with, who to put you in with. Uh, Jeff Smith there at 7J, he's super good at the, at the tag situation. No, Probably no one better uh, that I know of. I know two of probably, they're probably just as good, but he's pretty good about getting people to tag. Well, and of course, you go out there and act as a, a guide uh, with 7J Outfitters. Tell us where you got the nickname and the handle, First Day Dave, because I know it had something to do with a trip um, out to Wyoming where you were working. Man, we back before they had the EHD kill, deer were, they weren't easy to kill, but they were a lot easier. And I had a I had a streak on the first day of every hunt there for three weeks that I, <laughs> I killed one the first day. And, uh, but that's been few and far between, it seems like, lately. <laughs> well, it, it, go ahead. This year, I did have a guy from Hawaii, super good client. Um, he shot the first night, and we recovered the deer the next morning. Mm. Uh, so I told everybody, I said, no, nope, that's close enough. I get my handle back for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Reclaim the title. Reclaim the title. It, it was it was tough this year, Whitetail, because they've had that they've had a, a big EHD kill. Uh, just not a lot of bucks around the shoot. We're trying to let some of the bucks that are borderline go, and it's tough this year. You know, it was it was tough killing Whitetails. Now the elk, I think they were, I think they were almost eighty percent kill on the elk with with pretty much everybody getting a shot except for a, a couple guys. Hey, Dave, tell us what EDHD is for, uh, uh, with whitetail. It's a, 
it's a disease, if I'm not mistaken, they contract uh, around the water. Uh, has a little gnat or a midge that gets in their nose, and I think it lays a larva, mm-hmm. and somehow gets in their brain, and they get a high fever, and then they just they go to water and die. Yeah, they waste away. Don't hold, don't hold me to that, that everything right down to money. But well, we won't make you go to uh, veterinary class uh, for the yeah. Carolina outdoors. <laughs> but here is but it, one thing we are going to make you do. We're going to make you, and this is going to be hard, Dave, but uh, we're, we're going to do, do it anyway. Uh, for our listeners out there, will you kind of paint a picture of, of how this works? You mentioned a lot of walking, but will you give us a kind of a lay of the land, the rock outcroppings, the, the kind of the rivers that are through the property that you're hunting, the mountains, the meadows, the fields, that the elk are, I guess their habitat, but here these yeah. hunters are, and, and we can, let's come at it from a bow perspective, which, you know, you're getting a little closer in. For our listeners out there, will you give us a, kind of a description of the lay of the land as you're out there hunting? They're in the they're in the flats mostly in the morning down in the flat alfalfa fields, and you you try to beat them to where they're going. Um, mm-hmm. You try to get between the feed and the elk. Uh, try to get in there and listen for them to where they're going. They'll be bugling in the morning, and you just got to get do your best to. It's a race most of the time to get in front of them and get the wind right and try to get one killed. Uh, the wind plays probably 85% of the elk kill, you know, which way is the wind blowing that morning. But you're mostly just trying to get in front of them from where they're going to where they're going to bed, where they're coming from to eat to go to bed. And then same thing in the afternoon, you try to get from where they're coming to bed in front of them going to the food source. And then, of course, after the harvest has happened, how hard, or after the shot's made, how hard is the tracking um, after that shot? Uh, I think you hit an elk good. They don't go far. Um, you know, 100 yards. Some of them go a long way, and some of them you never find. Like, we had a guy uh, out at Left Creek this year. He killed one, and it was a good hit, and they found it, and it was an impossible place to get to so they had to you know quarter it up right there and walk out with it about a mile to the truck i had to field clean it oh yeah there's some uh physically uh, demanding work right there (laughs) most of the time you can get the you know the the utv or the truck to it close enough where you can you can load it up if you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, we've got First Day Dave. That's the Instagram handle for David Gaskins of 7J Outfitters. He's just returned from a trip, a guiding trip, outfitting trip out to Sundance, Wyoming, and uh, joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors as we broadcast up and down the eastern seaboard via the airwaves of WVT Radio early on a Saturday morning or via podcast, which you can grab over at jessebrowns.com. Just hit the podcast right there at that site. And Dave, you've got clients from all over the country that come out there and hunt with you in Wyoming. You mentioned uh, Hawaii. Uh, Where are some of the other people coming in from to hunt with you in Wyoming? And uh, men, women, uh, children? We've had had people from England, Australia, uh, Hawaii, all over the United States. a lot of them come from Pennsylvania. Jeff was from originally, I think, from Pennsylvania. You seem like you end up with a lot of Pennsylvania's there. <laughs> yes, but they uh, they come from everywhere. What I about mean, the youngest that you've taken out? We had a kid this year. I think was twelve that we took out archery hunting. What about the oldest 
And then Old, my oldest hunter, believe it or not, my oldest hunter was the one of the Hawaiians this year. He was 81 years old and could climb like nothing you ever seen before. So he wasn't going to be denied, and he had a successful hunt too. It sounds like he missed uh, he missed one on the last evening, but he had a great hunt. We had a certain deer we were hunting. He had seen him one day, and he just wasn't going to have it no other way. And then the the last evening, he took a shot at a nice deer, and uh, he missed. But it uh, always, I hope he makes it back. I'm, I hope that I get to take that fella on his last hunt ever. Super super nice guy. Um, 81 years old from Hawaii, fishes by himself in a handmade boat. I mean, these, these guys were the real deal. You know, they they don't have anything to hunt there but uh, goats and wild pigs, and they make the best of it. Wow. Well, you know what? A little added perspective, too. And I, I don't know. This might be like uh, picking your favorite child. I'm, I'm not sure. But um, what would be the most impactful for you, taking a young hunter who maybe gets his first elk on that trip or his first deer or taking the oldest hunter and it be his last trip whenever that last trip may happen. I, I don't know. Uh, is one better than the other or is that unfair to ask? No, it's not. If I had to pick, I would want to be uh, the part of someone's last hunt, uh, especially an older person. Um, they're just so much more humble they don't really care about how big the animal is. They're just glad to be there, happy to be hunting. Um, I, don't get me wrong, I took a lot of kids to kill their first deer, but um, there is nothing like hunting someone that's in their 80s and they know it might be their uh, their last time, and it's just it's a different experience. Yeah, that does, that does make it special. And, you know, there's a, plenty of vocations out there that there is a calling to do many of the people listening to the program early on a Saturday morning, especially, you know, like nursing uh, for sure, people who get up early, uh, like teachers, there's a calling to that. And dare I say, being a, a guide, an outfitter, uh, whether it's a hunting guide or a fishing guide, for the good ones anyway, there is a calling to that. And part of the calling, Dave, I think you've got it, is enjoying that aspect of bringing pleasure yeah. to I somebody's was, I life. Was talking- I was talking to a fellow this year. Um, there's a group of dentists that come, you know, and he's asking me about when I get to hunt this and that. And I, was, I said, man, I love, don't get me wrong, I love to hunt still. But I think now that I'm 50, I love even more taking somebody and making somebody have a successful hunt and seeing the joy on somebody else's face. It just, there's no, like my buddy Drew Herter said, there's no job like it on earth. See, that's why it is a calling. Now, now I'm going to get back to a successful harvest. You've got the elk down on the ground. The the How does the meat get handled? Because I know your clients, plenty of them, um, want to bring some of the meat home. Um, yeah. How does all that work with the processing and, and getting the meat back to somebody who wants to enjoy some of the fruits of that hunt? On an on a elk hunt, you kill an elk, you got to get the, you know, you got to get the internals out of it in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, get it opened up. They they seem to spoil twice as fast as a as a whitetail. So you got to either get them quartered up, get them opened up with ice in them, or just get them to the processor as quick as you can. They'll spoil and probably, I don't know. I'd be scared to let one lay four or five hours sometimes. An elk. 
and then the processor helps get it all shipped back so people can enjoy it. Yeah, they cut it up. Most people bring coolers. Uh, a lot of people drive. A lot of people fly and send the driver, you know, like have one guy bring all uh-huh. their stuff and a, a trailer full of coolers, and they just get the processor to pack pack it up, and he'll freeze it down to, I think they're negative 20 degrees, and then, you know, it'll make it home in a cooler. David Gaskins, thank you for jumping on here. Before I let you go, we may have to do more of this because I'm running out of time on the Carolina Outdoors, but so we may have to bring it back home. But there's plenty of people getting up early who are heading out for some local hunt, hunting uh, across the Carolinas, uh, bringing it back home, uh, entirely different lay of the land uh, for the most part than than being in Wyoming. Do you what are you seeing out there at least initially uh, this deer season in the Carolinas? I've only got to go twice, but last night I went and I did see a, a two young bucks kind of after a doe. Not to say the rut was on or anything, but the the bucks are starting to look now. There'll be any doe that's receptive. It'll be a chase from here on out to the end of November. But uh, there's they're moving. It's green around here too, so yeah. They seem to be moving pretty good. I haven't had time to do much surveying, but it, it seemed to be the last place I seen deer last year was the first place I went to this year, and they were still there. Well, now we're going to get uh, some real uh, a drop in temperature, and that might move them around a little bit more, yeah. too. So that might Good uh, cold front come through. They'll be moving. That's it. David Gaskins, you are too good to jump on the program. Give us an update of Sundance, what's happening out there. I'm going to give out that handle one more time just because I like saying it. It's First Day <laughs> Dave on Instagram. It's David Gaskins, 7J Outfitters. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Take care. Off he goes, and off I go, too. But just for a little bit, we're going to be back on the other side. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.